Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What is going on, everyone? It is me, the Lone Vault Wanderer, and we are here with the 95th episode of the Ham Radio Podcast. And this is Carrick with ACG. And of course, Maddie isn't here. He had a few other YouTube-related commitments, I will say, so he's not just skipping out. But we do have, <laughs> <laughs> we do have a guest for today's podcast. Did you want to introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. This is um, Wasteland Dovahkiin. And thank you, Lone, for having me on today. Anytime. So you go by Dover on YouTube. You want to tell us a little bit about what you do? I have a gaming channel where I do mostly Bethesda-related games. Um, I have some Let's Plays, and I've also done a lot of like Fallout 4 tips and tricks and build videos. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and other, some other games too, not just Bethesda. Like I'm doing Mass Effect right now, and I'm doing Skyrim right now. I just finished my Fallout 4 Let's Play after a whole year, 90, <laughs> 97, ep- 97 episodes. <laughs> it took a whole year. <laughs> Does that include the whole DLC as well? No, no DLC, just, just the main game. <laughs> so this is why you need to be careful when you start doing Let's Plays of games like exactly. Fallout or, or Witcher. <laughs> Like I've seen some people doing it, it, Witcher should, Let's Plays, and they're two hundred. Dude, let's just call in. it. Let's just call it Let Lives instead of Let's Plays because <laughs> that it, or it's like it's like Let's Live because that is no lie. Those I've seen yeah. people who are like for two years they're doing Let's Plays on it. <laughs> Seriously, at some I point, know. It's, it's absolutely insane. And they're still getting like in the three hundredth episode, they're still getting great views, and there are people oh, that yeah. have stuck around from the beginning. It's insane. Oh yeah, those people who stick around for a long time, they get really loyal. Which is great, to be honest. That's actually fantastic. So I, I do want to say um, I'm going to put, or I want to make sure Maddie puts, rather, uh, Dover's YouTube channel in the description below. Please click on it if you're interested and subscribe to her. Of course, her Twitter handle is going to be on screen. And of course, you should follow her and tweet out ham, hashtag ham radio time to support the podcast. So let's talk about the main news that I think had had, had most Bethesda fans buzzing this week. And it was that, Fallout 4 surpasses Skyrim to become Bethesda's most successful game ever. Now, I want to read the specific uh, quote that uh, Pete Hines actually made because people were saying, well, does it talk about sales? Does it talk about success in a general vague sense? Is it talking about profit? We don't really, really know. So the specific quote was as, as, as follows. Um, Pete Hines says on a podcast, Fallout 4 has got to be the most successful game we've ever launched in our company's history. More than Skyrim, in, sorry, Skyrim in terms of what we did. Who, the, who knows what that really means? Like he, could, he could be talking about anything. Dover, what do you think about what Pete Hines is saying about Fallout 4 being more successful than Skyrim? Um, wasn't there that tweet where he said in sales in the same amount of time correct yeah that he just was, did yeah. an update mm-hmm. mm. i want i'm I, I was thinking about that and i was wondering i wonder if it's just because bethesda games in general seem to have more exposure now than they did then of course yeah more more people know about it mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I, I have a hard time <laughs> accepting that that Fallout 4 <laughs> did better than Skyrim. <laughs> I think the entirety of Twitter did as well. <laughs> what do you think, Carrick? Yeah, I mean, uh, he did. He said uh, um, he was comparing Fallout 4 and Skyrim over the same period of time. And that, uh, that Fallout 4 has, in fact, sold more copies than Skyrim in that amount of time. So yeah. to him, that and that makes sense, right? You know, like, because you're you're moving forward and comparing to your to your prior. But when you look at it, um, despite the fact that many of us might have felt that some of it was casualized in, in p- specific ways, hmm. the people on this podcast and the people watching are a very small segment of actual buyers. And the people yeah. that I know, there are a massive number of people I know who who bought that and did not get Skyrim. So it wasn't yeah. necessarily surprising to hear him say it. I think what happened is he said it like uh, Ubisoft says, we've got 5 million active people in the division. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> Come on. Does that no, mean they all signed in yesterday? Because yeah. Christ, I mean, anybody can say that. That's like Microsoft's talking about sales or Sony. Hmm. So I, I think that's what it was, was he was just, he was happy. He was talking in a laid back forum, which was yeah. on on their podcast. And I think when he said it, they... It, it, it sort of ran away from him. You can't just say, you can't say that without some type of, you know, some something that qualifies the comment. No, it, exactly right. And of course, touching on, on what you were saying, Skyrim released in 2011, so it had so many more years to pick up those extra sales, most of which yeah. were probably towards the tail end with games that weren't exactly $60. They were probably much cheaper than that, probably a lot of deals going on. So in terms of the profitability towards the tail end, it wouldn't have been as high. My initial thinking when I saw this tweet, or sorry, this, uh, this quote by Pete, was that even though Fallout 4 sold less, Maybe it was monetized better. Maybe uh, in terms of uh, actual copies, but maybe the DLC made more money. Maybe they had more cross promotions. Like maybe in terms of revenue, the game still made more, even though perhaps it sold less. Because again, uh, a game can make more from DLC. Not every copy of a game is sold at sixty dollars. Maybe Skyrim has been selling much more copies, but at a much lower price point. So at least we have the 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 clarification from him now that yes, he is talking about sales within that launch period or however long two or three years but i think it's interesting that people were getting very upset about this as dover (laughs) was mentioning and do do you feel that way dover like do you feel that skyrim should be the more successful game because of what it is over fallout well i mean skyrim that's that's where my heart is, so I'm a little biased, yeah. I think. <laughs> but I, I love I love Fallout 4. It has its faults, you know, but I don't know. My channel wouldn't exist without Fallout 4, so <laughs> it's not like I, I'm not um, – I don't hate it or anything. Yeah. But I don't know. I forgot what your question was. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. It, it was more to saying, do you think, you know, Skyrim, I guess, deserves to be the more successful or considered to be more successful than Fallout 4, especially in terms of sales and revenue? Well, I don't know if it, I don't know if it deserves to be, I mean, I think Fallout 4 deserves to be successful. I mean, it's, it's a good game and I'm glad that it was so successful. I mean, mm. despite all of its, all the negative stuff that people have to say about it, it was successful regardless of that. And I think that, I don't know. I don't know if that says a lot about the game or it just shows how <laughs> simple gamers have become. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what do you think, Eric? Yeah. I mean, uh, 
once you start talking about deserving, then you get into areas even I don't want to, and because yeah. I know some of them, and I don't want to get into because that that's that's almost like when you say, oh, this game was made by this number of people, so it should rate higher than because there's less people working on it. You start getting into the this weird, almost philosophical zone. Mm. But when it comes down to it. Um, they're both good games. And at some certain point, any other company would look at the numbers and go, I don't give a F. They're yeah. awesome. Any like both sold amazing. So mm. at, at some point you look at it and you're like, yeah, it, he said what he said, which was more successful. He knows. And that doesn't in any way, shape or form to me take away from Skyrim. In fact, if you look at Skyrim, Skyrim's release, while done pretty well, actually had a, a number of issues, including the PS3 version. Oh, and yeah, the PS3 yeah. version was uh, was a disaster. I mean, that was like that was digital VD. So that game should never have been released on on the PS3 until they fixed all their problems. The the point being that um, that obviously would have been impacted sales somewhat because less platforms to release on PS4 uh, version is is fine for Fallout and and stuff like that. So I think that Skyrim there there's just nothing to look bad on at that release even when it did have some issues with w one particular platform. There now, was a I, I did want to ask and platform. apparently the Skyrim edition of PS3 or PS3 edition of Skyrim still has issues to this day. Like corrupted saves, areas that people right. can't even uh, venture towards otherwise the game's just going to be crashing. And Well, I don't know. I I played Skyrim on PS3 and I never had any issues like that. And that's so weird because it's like some people have, are, are telling me that it's unplayable, literally unplayable. And the same thing with Fallout 3 on the PS3, mind you. And then there are other people saying that there are no issues at all. It's right. Well, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go on. I'm, I'm saying it, it's really weird. It's, it's a really, really strange thing. And it's not like it's a PC where some people say, oh, because of my PC, I'm having issues. And other people saying because of my specific PC, I'm not having issues. It's the same console. It is, yeah. but... It is, but I do testing for reviews, and I can tell you right now that I have three Xboxes, and I get dramatically different FPS on all three <laughs> due to various no reasons. Sense. Yeah, and, and, and PS4s as well. So anybody who tells you, even Digital Foundry and I have gone back and forth about this because I know one of the guys on there, and we have talked about it, and I've been like, dude, you guys, you can't say that all PS4s or Xbox Ones are going to hit this particular frame rate if you're mm. testing in one particular area. What happens is, for example, Xbox One, if you reset its cache, if you empty its cache, you will dramatically see improved FPS if you are in one of those games everybody is saying should be high and you're not, which unfortunately is exactly what happened with the PS3 and the Xbox 360. Both of them have an issue with their memory caches, how much space they get and use starts to eat that away. And so some people will see dramatically different uh, results, especially in a Bethesda game. One of the issues that was tracked down in Bethesda games is when you move something in a Bethesda game mm. due to the way their editor works, it, it basically duplicates that record. And so what happens is you get a bloated save file that, that it, it basically goes out of control. It's like, as you move stuff, as you save stuff, as you, um, like take things to your home and, you know, put them up on the wall, mm. it, it just, it, it grows larger and larger. And for some reason that creates a memory leak in some people's games and not others, but the day and age of like every single console will be identical. It's not, I mean, we have different hard drives. Like the moment you can sure. switch out a hard drive, anybody intelligent would look at that and go, well, then you're going to get different performance of some kind, which is exactly so, what we have with the PS4. Now they just got external hard right. drive support. Right. So, yeah. So it, yeah. I, I think the Skyrim on the PS uh, PS3 probably has issues for some and not for others. I mean, I think that's pretty much normal. And, and, and this is something that I, that I wanted to mention. Every time we, it's similar when you compare revenue of past games compared to revenue of games today. You have to consider inflation. 
I always need to bear in mind when I'm considering the number of sales of a game in the past versus the number of sales of games today. The games industry is growing day by day, and you are just not going to have people that when they buy Fallout 4, when they buy Skyrim, that are going to be playing the previous versions of those games, which is why it seems anyways Fallout 4 hasn't or or probably will sell better than Fallout 3, for example. And it's just the Mm -hmm. case that when it's AAA games, brand new titles coming out in the newest or the latest year, that they're inevitably going to be selling better because the games industry is bigger. And also as well, publishers are getting much better with marketing and pushing their products. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in, in any event, I guess the point that I'm trying to get at is just because they say that, you know, Fallout 4 is more successful than, than Skyrim doesn't mean it's a better game. Doesn't mean that, you know, given the, the right day and the right time that Skyrim wouldn't have sold better than Fallout 4 or wouldn't be selling better than Fallout 4, say if it was released in 2017. So um, I, I think that people that are getting angry, maybe maybe calm down a bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, there's... Oh. It, Games aren't that serious, man. No, exactly, exactly <laughs> yeah. right. Uh, you know, it's it's. I think it's the same difference where they say the Star Wars prequels were more successful than the original Star Wars movies in the same amount of time. That doesn't mean yeah. the prequels were better, though. Mm. Just more people knew about Star Wars. It, there was way more hype yeah. built up. And, and yeah. the internet yeah. has just become such a different place con- compared to 2011. I mean... From memory, I think, you know, like Facebook and Twitter were around back then, but not to the extent that they are today. Not to the extent that people are posting on forums and and sharing tweets and talking about their games so much more than what they are doing, even just in the last year. That that kind of social media interaction, especially with YouTubers, you know, pushing out titles, making, sorry, talking about titles and and pushing out their Let's Plays and and videos and content. It's just the games industry is much different and it's more likely that a big AAA game is going to sell better than what they would have back, you know, in the early 2000s. Um, Yeah. So any closing points on this topic before we move on? No. (laughs) Uh, No, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, I, I think, you know, people can get mad all they want, but the fact is, is like, uh, one of the things we always need to look at is when information is discussed. We've talked about it before prior to podcasts. I don't think we've ever mentioned it on this one, hmm. but you have, you have issues where something is leaked because of a business meeting where they have to tell yeah. shareholders what, what they're doing or something to that effect. Here is a situation where a guy was on a podcast, right? And he, he I mean, he just said something. Yeah. And and people and people run away with it. And in it, I think that gamers need to stop empowering that and stop <laughs> because if you empower it, then it matters. Like if you don't empower it and you're like, OK, whatever, he said something, we'll just move on. Then what happens is those kind of things can still be said because I want to be a- able to talk to you and say something and have somebody be like, well, statistically across. And you're just like, oh, Jesus, really? Yeah. I mean, where it was a word he used that. um that to him made perfect sense. And uh, I don't know, it's just, it's taken, it's taken a mountain out of a molehill. And, and, and it happens all the time. W- whenever a right. publisher makes a sly comment or a developer says something small about a game, that one quote can be analyzed a thousand times over by a million people on the internet. And <laughs> it just gets taken out of proportion. And then people make all these conclusions like, oh, this is confirmed for this game. And we have Fallout <laughs> 75 confirmed. And it just turns out not to be true. Then the developer <laughs> and publisher has to make a clarification and a press release and then rinse and repeat. It, it, yeah. it seems to have happened so much in recent times. 
for sure yep. so in, a, in any event um skyrim fans just yeah it's, it's okay everything's gonna be okay <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> uh the ps4 uh pro patch on fallout 4 so of course ps4 pro they've been getting slowly and slowly more patches with uh some of their games and to be honest personally i don't have a ps4 and Carrick, i'm gonna assume that you have dover do you have a ps4 or PS4 That's Pro. What I play on, yeah. No, I don't have a Pro, hmm. but yeah, I do. I do most of my games on the PS4. Yeah. So, so Carrick, do you, do you know much about how PS4 Pro games are performing compared to their counterparts? Because what I've heard is that the difference is kind of minimal. Yeah. Well, they were for a while, and I was one of the hardest people on it because I I don't feel anything called a Pro should ever perform worse than the normal version. Of course. That seems <laughs> completely backwards to me, and. It, there, those issues were occurring. But one of the great things that's happened now, completely awesome on Sony's part, mm. is the beast mode, as some that's people call right. it. But yeah, bo- yeah. Boost mode. Smooth so boost mode. mode. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. Yeah. Runs like it should mode. So when it comes to the PS4 Pro, <laughs> basically what they used to do is they used to capture the, the CPU cycle and keep it under a certain, they would keep it matched to what, um, so it wouldn't affect any older games. What yeah. they did recently is sort of like what Xbox One S does. It's got a little bit of a bump in the CPU and they let it happen. So that you've got that. I think that they're performing much better. And I think that we're seeing, I, I, I think it's slow and it's unacceptable from a gamer's point of view. I don't think any gamer should have bought that and had this happen. This should have all been done prior to it being released. But now we are seeing some updates where some of these games are running uh, much better or at least getting some improvement. And I have to say this one, didn't see as much of an FPS improvement as it did uh, a great improvement. Man, like legitimately, there are three things you notice with this patch on Fallout 4. One, debris in the game in the normal version goes maybe 20 feet in front of you. And now it's almost to the horizon, which really makes Fallout feel completely different from from an overall looks point of view. And I love that. Uh, Lighting has been improved and then resolution has been dramatically improved. And so... So and that's, of course, uh, in, in, as well as the, uh, the the texture patch that came out that was like 7000 gigs. So it, 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 I, it's it's awesome. I think it's good that they're doing that. And, and we are seeing an improvement for sure on the pro. And, and I'm going through an article now that's on Kotaku and I'm seeing some of the changes. So you've got obviously you've got some more grass because you need you need more grass, uh, better, check, better textures. The one thing that I'm really glad that it's fixed that continues to ship me to this day, uh, God rays. God rays and yeah. and I love Fallout Four, right? And, and Dover, you know. It t- tell me if I'm wrong on this, but the a- aliasing <laughs> and the God rays in that game are awful. Yes, horrible. Like when I take screenshots and try to get this really beautiful <laughs> screenshot, I have to like go into Photoshop, blur out all the little pixely nonsense. <laughs> Nasty. That's awesome. That's, here, we're going to take a picture of your game, but not really because we're going to bullshit it like a publisher would prior to release. <laughs> like, is that not horrible? It's all yeah. you're. So basically, Dova is EA prior to EA releasing a game. They're like, this is what our game looks like. Bullshit, your game looks like that. <laughs> I, ca- <laughs> like, I can't believe that you actually have to Photoshop it to make it look good. That's incredible. Well, when there's God rays, fog, yeah. Yeah. But see, that's the thing, right? I remember uh, making a video back in the day when I did this kind of content and I would just recommend to people turn off God Rays because unless you can run them at very high, which can be so 
intensive, it's not funny, and, and drop your yeah. FPS, you are going to get those weird aliasing effects around objects um, and, and even around your own character because of the God Rays. And when you turn God Rays off in Fallout 4, it makes the game look so much clearer. Uh, I, I just, even with the best God Rays and even when they work as they're meant to be working, I would prefer just having them being turned off. And I wanted to raise this as a question to you guys. Do you think that... Because the PS4 Pro, uh, Pro version is allowing all these extra effects, do you think there should be more options, in-game graphics options, to, say, turn God Rays off or to I- increase, you know, uh, the quality of shadows or maybe decrease the quality of shadows? Do everything like you can do on a PC to help with frames because we can't really do that on a console. So people that were playing PS4 uh, Fallout 4 in the past or even Xbox One were stuck with these God Rays, right? They were stuck with bad aliasing effects that you could see around the gun model in every occasion do you guys think that that should be the case that would be great yeah that would be if i could yeah if i could adjust it how i want it that'd be awesome (laughs) what what do you think character do you think that's possible on on a console Yeah. yeah so the developers that we talked to like even maddie and i talked about this um on one of i can't remember we did a video together and we were talking about my personal belief is that you should add as many options as possible. But talking to developers, you do, of course, have testing that has to happen. Yeah. To verify that that your frame rate is going to be acceptable at the highest, right? Yeah, and then yeah. better as you drop them off. And of course, mm-hmm. some games, their engines can't handle a particular particle effect, but they can handle things that you wouldn't expect them to be. So there, there's some issues there for testing, especially on one or two of the engines in particular. But yeah, it, obviously, I mean, I think that we're getting to a point, you can't sit there and say that, we're taking over the the home theater. We're giving you you unique OSs that allow for tiling. We're doing all this crazy stuff on your console, and then not also allow some of the options PCs have because they're pushing towards being mini PCs anyway. Well, they're pretty much already are mini PCs, and I will say that mm-hmm. the game that I I think had some slight graphics options was Battlefield One. It did did it not? It actually allowed you to do certain things that I've never and been Neo. able to see you do. Let let me see if I can Google it and find out what it is. Um, And Neo has uh, Neo has three settings. There are three very big settings. Neo has a a action mode, which is 60 FPS, but it drops the resolution at times down to 720p. Then it's got a variable frame rate where it's got a much higher resolution, but it, it bounces between 30 and 45. And then you have a supposedly locked movie version, which is locked at 30 but a higher resolution and more special effects. So it's so interesting. Th- so it's like they, instead of allowing you to tweak individual settings, they kind of pre-package different kinds of settings. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, right. that's really interesting. Okay. I'd like to see more games do that because we, let's face it, consoles are mini PCs right now. We, we, we hear it from developers all the time that, you know, the PC architecture is similar to console architecture now. Um, we're able to introduce more graphic settings into console games. The, I, I, I see this being as a proper next step, especially for the Scorpio that's coming out, which is meant to be, for, for lack of a better term, a competitor to PCs. I, to be honest, it, it kind of is in, in a sense. So, in, in any event, um, PS4 Pro players, at least you have a, a, a Pro patch to to tickle your fancy. I, I did want to mention something that I didn't actually raise with, with both of you before this, but it's about the HD texture pack for Fallout 4. It's, it's not doing much. It's uh, <laughs> Carrick is laughing already. But oh, Dover, it's ha- awesome. Ha- have you seen the comparisons, Dover, with, with the previous version and the HD texture pack? Um... 
I think I have a little bit. I haven't really paid much attention to it because I wasn't going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm afraid I don't know a whole lot about it. I think I might have saw like one comparison shot. That that didn't show much difference. <laughs> yeah. I'm being I'm being mean. Carrick, what do you think? No, I mean, um, you know, what it looks like, I mean, and the honest truth, what it looks like is that people who worked on the original textures took their raw textures that weren't compressed for the original game and just threw them in a RAR file, called it a mod, and said, here you go. Mm. And so what you get is really untouched, higher resolution. You don't get anything that's really been looked over again. And that's what it looks like to me. It almost looks like you see that sometimes, uh, depending on the developer, where something will patch and you'll be like, it almost looks like they just threw some stuff in. And that that patch is huge. And and <laughs> it's massive. It's massive. And I, most people, I think, would look at that and say, OK, there's some optimizations haven't been done. A couple, you know, maybe some maybe some situations where you look at the original texture and the new one and you decide there's no reason to update it. That probably hasn't been done. It really mm. does appear like they took all their their textures from their source prior to moving them to the lower resolutions and just said, here we go, because the pro and and can run it. And I don't know, because is that even for the PS4 normal? I, no, I, I don't know, to be honest. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm just i so confused with it because... I remember, right, when I was modding Skyrim and the differences that the HD texture pack would make were, were night yeah. and day. Like when, you, you know how people do those comparisons on YouTube where they have the slight, you know, uh, fading effect across or the sliding effect and you can see mm -hmm. the differences with the, right. with the same shot. It, I couldn't see it. It, it. it was very, very, <laughs> very slight with Fallout 4. And I'm just like, okay, it, it's, I understand that it's a, it's a free update, but, it, it made no discernible difference to me. And if anything, it just required people to download another 53 gigabytes worth of, worth of data. And especially with people that have data caps, for example, you know, here in Australia, right. and I'm sure some places Myself. in the US. And Carrick, there you go. I, I, I don't know if it was worth it, to be honest. I, I think the one thing we could look, uh, I, I can't remember if it's for the PS4 Pro and PC or just PC, but one of the things that is crazy is the PC version's minimum spec is a 1080. What? Because of the VRAM. Yeah, they require they they their you know their minimum spec that they want you to have is actually a GTX 1080. It's in their it's in their minimum announce. That's insane. So, it's insane. But of course that's because of its it's a VRAM cache issue where you need you you are gonna need a ton of memory on that card. But wow. people are running it with slightly lower cards. I've seen people with 970s and 980s. Uh, 970s is really surprising because of the issues with the memory architecture in that in that particular card. True. But yeah. So, so, I mean, it, you know what, it seems to me like it was just one of those things where they said, here, here's some extra stuff. Here you go. And yeah. I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth and say, yeah. you know, that sucks. Um, but I will say that it was surprising that it didn't offer a bigger, uh, change to yeah. the look. Yeah. In, in any event, again, you know, it, it was free and I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to, as Carrick said, be, be angry at something that was free. It, it was cool for Bethesda yeah. to do that. And it's cool for them to do things like that. And especially this ne next thing that I want to talk about. So Bethesda is now introducing featured mods for Fallout 4 and Skyrim Special Edition. Essentially, they used to do this in the past on Bethesda.net. They would interview certain mod authors uh, to see what kind of mods they were doing and, and kind of bring them to the to the wider audience, bring them to the attention of the right, wider audience, rather. And they're kind of doing this now with these featured mods 
for Flight 4 and, and Skyrim Special Edition. So, for example, right, someone that in the past, a, a modder that I follow on Twitter, who did this really, really cool uh, Bioshock Power Armor mod, is now getting attention on Bethesda.net. So, his, his name is Sovereign Warris, and he's getting attention with his uh, TS-51 Power Armor. And there are a bunch of other uh, mod authors that are getting I- increased attention with their mods. And I think this is something that's really, really important for Bethesda to do. Because as we all know, games like Skyrim and Fallout, the longevity of those games are so long because of modding, because of the community support for these things. So I, I just like to see Bethesda supporting this act, aspect of the community. What, what do you reckon, Dover? Yeah, I <clears throat> excuse me. I like yeah, I like that they're supporting modders. It's I think they should do that definitely. And um. I don't actually have a lot to say about it because I don't. I haven't caught up on the the topic. Do, do, you, do you use modding in your Let's Plays at all, or a, any mods, or do you prefer to play the vanilla version? Oh no, I mod. <laughs> 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 um, you know, I I use a few mods in Fallout Four, but that's only because there's a, only a few available on on PS4. But hmm. on uh, Skyrim. Yeah, I mod it as much as I possibly can. <laughs> so, so do, do you own a PC or just a, a PS4 then? I have a PC. Yeah, I play Skyrim on PC so I can get the good mods. Yeah. And, and I, I wanted to ask before I switch the character, how are the mods on the PS4? Because I haven't asked anyone about this, you know, ever since there was the whole controversy about PS4 not having, you know, the wider array, array of mods. So are they good? And, you know, are, are they worth it? Some of them are. <clears throat> most of them are cheat mods like if you go on to bethesda net and you <laughs> look at ps4 mods probably 80 percent of them are going to be cheat mods no. which is it's disappointing because it's like oh here's another cheat chest you know it's like okay here's another respect gun or armor piece that looks exactly like this one and so but but the ones the best ones uh, there's a few really good player homes <clears throat> and mm. there's most of the best mods though are for the building the build menu yeah there's some actually really good build build mods and those are the ones that i use mm. and I, I don't bother with anything else like there's no quest mods or you know stuff like that because they can't do that which, which really does suck but um, mm-hmm. looking at this Bethesda.net article talking about featured mods, at the very least, I can see some cool mods for PS4 that otherwise I probably wouldn't have known about, because especially because I don't have a PS4, but it's good to see Bethesda promoting these cool mods that, as you said, Dover, aren't cheat mods. What, what, what are you reckoning about <laughs> this, uh, Carrick? Yeah, I mean, I think the cheat mods thing, we've talked about this on Nexus before, where I still think that there needs to be some kind of section you can choose that's for testing, because a lot of the people I know who make cheat mods are testing their own abilities in the editor. Hmm. So, and so those become mod tests, but they're really, you know, cheat, like she said, cheat chests. And so I wish there was a section that was like, hey, I have a mod. Can you test it for me and tell me it's working? Because I'm I'm teaching myself because it's very hard to do Hmm. all that on your own. And and so a lot of the people I know who are uploading that are just are just understanding item IDs and all that kind of stuff. So I wish they would do that. I think it's great. Like I, like they need to. Modders have always been one of those situations where either a company's gone after them, like the bullshit companies that they are, and they've attacked modders who've made something that you know because a modder's passionate about something. I hate that. 
Yeah. And so now we have a company like Bethesda who, at least at the starting, is starting to elevate particular modders and give them a little bit of attention. Because, for example, Skyrim um, or Oblivion, um, uh, OOO, I cannot remember. It was one of the biggest monster mods. Uh, this guy put, like, I mean, it, I swear to God, it was a thousand monsters. New mo <laughs> and they were fully fleshed out. Or that's Mad awesome. Mardigan, um, Mardigan's monster mod uh, was. Oh, that's MMM. right. I used that. That yeah. was awesome. So do yeah. I. Yeah, yeah. So those, so these guys like Mardigan, those those type of people. When you put that much work into something, and when you, and when you're busting your butt, and you and even the small stuff, I'm just using them yeah. as as examples. Um, yeah. I would love to see them get uh, a shining beacon on them, so that developers can look and go, "Hey, you know, this guy's a good texture artist. Like, why don't we? I mean, it's a demo." for mm. them in a mm. weird way. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I would love it. Now, I will say one thing that sort of makes me wonder, like how's Bethesda choosing them? But that's probably a whole nother discussion. Yeah. Um. But that is certainly something that I, I would, like it'd be interesting to know how they're choosing who gets highlighted. I like the point about how that, you know, it's essentially a digital portfolio for these modders in it case is. they ever want to get into development. But this topic, okay, is bringing me to another one, a related topic that I think people get very passionate about, and that's paid mods. We've we've mm. seen Bethesda try its hand at it with Skyrim in the past, and I wanted to ask <laughs> both of you, what do you think about, uh, 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 about the prospects of paid mods coming back and do you think it should happen because we talk about oh you know modders put in so much effort they have so much passion they do this for free blah 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 but i still think that there needs to be a way aside from just donations for these authors to get some sort of compensation even if it's kind of like a pay as you want system where a mod can be downloaded for nothing or and or, or some sort of dollar amount even so, just so there's more of a direct way to compensate these modders i i don't know what, what do you guys think about that we'll, we'll, start, ahead, with, we'll start with you Dara. <clears throat> well well, since mods have been free all this time, at least Bethesda mods, you know, for Bethesda games, um, I don't think that they should just, like they did last year, that was last year, right? The, where they just, like... I think it was that, last year. Jeez. That paywall, they, yeah. Yeah, they just turned uh, them on. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait a minute, now we have to pay for mods, what? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, don't, I think that was a bad idea, and obviously it was, or it would still be around. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I, I agree. Modders should get some compensation for their work. I mean, I can imagine. I mean, being a YouTuber, I mean, you guys know. Yeah. It, you put a lot of work into something that you're putting out for free, basically. And you feel like you should get something for that. And you should. It's your, you're spending hours and hours of your of your day doing, doing that stuff. And, mm. um, you know, they do have the donations on the Nexus that you can donate. But I don't know how many people actually do. I, I, I don't actually have any mods on there, but mm. um, I don't know. I, I always wondered if it would be kind of a cool thing to have like, <clears throat> and I know probably every modder wouldn't do this, but some, some of those modders who do like a very large mod, like, um, like Frostfall, for instance, for, yeah. for Skyrim, um, have a free version and then you could get like add-ons to it that cost extra. Or something yeah. like that. I don't know. So I, I, I don't know. you're pretty much saying though that you're not actually against the idea of paid modding in and of itself. And I, and I think many people, I don't know, there's probably a large contingent that simply don't want to pay for mods in any shape or form. But your issue is more with how it was implemented, right? Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I 
I prefer not to have to pay for mods myself, but yeah. you know, if it was a reasonable amount and they were the really good mods like Frostfall, like I think Frostfall is worth a little bit of money. The, the way you know? I see I, another way that it could work is like mobile games. You have a free version and then you have a paid version, which has a bunch more features. Potentially that right. could be a way that, you know, at least, at least like certified modders, like modders that actually make good mods can utilize because what I don't want to see happening, first of all, I don't want to see a bunch of um, thieves, essentially, combining together a p- bunch of people's other mods and then selling them, you know, really easily. I think there needs to be a way to kind of certify modders to ensure that, you know, the right people are getting paid and good modders right. are getting paid for their for their mods. But I, I, I'm kind yeah, of drifting sounds... away from their point. But <laughs> essentially, I, I just don't think that anyone should be able to upload a random mod and, and try and get money for it. Then There needs to be some sort of check, check and balance in place. Right. And then you are also risking a lot of backlash from the modding community for, you know, and I know like Chesco, the author of um, Frostfall, he got a lot of backlash for being Bethesda's featured paid modder he quit didn't he he just quit he quit for a while i think he's back now oh that's yeah that's good i was really upset about that what what do you think about all this carrick i'm sure you have some interesting views on paid modding yeah i i mean (laughs) like (laughs) if if, there's a some people if depending on where you're coming from some people believe that the fact that you're doing it for free uh, is in one way weeding out a particular amount of non-workers who who would wouldn't do it unless there was a passion for the title and modding as somebody who started man Baldur's Gate Unreal 1999 like back in the day with with crappy textures and all that stuff I can tell you that there's a lot of passion that went into it and if money had been involved for me I'm talking about me personally uh it may have changed even what I did, what I thought of, what uh, because there's mm. a there's a thing where somebody when they when they start seeing that there's a cash return, there's the chance of of adjusting what you're outputting to to augment the return to the highest amount. That's and true. I don't like the idea of do you know the moment you said like the Android and stuff like that, I immediately thought of buying fucking energy in a Kirasoft <laughs> game, and I wanted to I wanted to reach through this screen and choke you because that if, if that. That is the scary thing. Here's something that I think a lot of people are probably going to be unhappy to hear, but it's certainly going to happen this year. If it doesn't, it'll it'll be early next year. We will see what I think people will assume are expansions, DLC, and so forth that are actually paid mods. We are, I already know of two companies who are pretty much already doing this, where it's called DLC, right? Mm-hmm. It's called, and that is really, you got to understand that what a mod is, is many times just DLC, that, I mean, that is what it is. Like, there's a very de- definitive overlap in, in some ways. And so companies like Bethesda, who tries this and it doesn't work out, one of the worst ideas ever, by the way. You never wake up and want to open up your you know door to your house and be charged to leave. Mm. The <laughs> idea of being charged for Skyrim mods was ridiculous because it just mm. came out of the blue. You know, and so... Uh, we will see some companies uh, returning to this where the, where they'll say, oh, well, we would never do paid for mods, but they are because that content will be put into a DLC package. To be, to be honest, the thing that irked me the most about that paid mod system was simply the split that went between Valve and Bethesda and, and the creator. And from memory... Oh, for sure. For, yeah. for, for memory, it was like, I think the creator got 
20 to 30%, something like that. Valve got another 20 and Bethesda got the minority, uh, majority. I, I, I don't know the specific numbers around that. All I know is that the, the creator was was it getting less than half of every sale of the of the mod and i think a large part of that of course if it was on steam valve has to take a cut there is no business world where valve's going to let that happen on their platform and not take a cut so i i understood that perspective completely and i think with Bethesda launching their own bethesda.net launcher and this entire bethesda.net system which is trickled over to console now I think that there could be a fairer split between now, it's just going to be Bethesda, although to an extent, maybe Xbox or PlayStation have to get involved and have to have a piece of the pie. But let's just say if it was just Bethesda and it was just the mod creator, and let's say it was 60-40 or or maybe even 50-50, would that be better? Like, could that be doable in some sort of way, Carrick? Nope. No, nope. you don't. You don't nope. think so? That's stupid. That I hate it. I hate the idea that a modder gets sixty percent of their of their okay. stuff. This is it's not slavery yeah. to me. What should happen is this: I paid sixty bucks so I could mod the friggin' game. Yeah, that's my. That's <laughs> or you just got my sixty bucks. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. Now, if they <clears throat> want to charge them for bandwidth or something, that would be fine. So let's say you 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 get uh, a certain amount of downloads, and they ch- and Sony or Microsoft or Bethesda, whoever's handling this, charges you commensurate with that. I'm yeah. fine with that. Would okay, that's fine because you don't want to. That would suck to be a a big company, and you know people are downloading gigabytes and gigabytes. And if you want to add in some surcharges for various things like your server rooms and stuff, that's fine. But this. I was blown away by by the fact that Valve, who is probably notoriously one of the worst companies ever to deal with, continues to get away with this shit because that was a huge split. So the idea of them going with just Bethesda is awesome. But I think if Bethesda, if Bethesda is already getting your money hmm. uh, from the game and and getting more people looking at your game, and if you make a mod loan and it's good and I don't have Fallout, the only way to play your mod is to buy the game. True. Mm-hmm. So once again, they're so once again, they're making money. Hmm. I just I mean, and remember, this is the same company like Rockstar who sells 77 different versions of the same game and, and gets people to buy 14 versions of Skyrim. So it's not like oh, yeah. they're not s- swimming in cash. Right. And it's not mm-hmm. like they haven't had the remastered <laughs> unlimited limited version of their game or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> So that's I why think I bought mo- Skyrim. That's exactly. why I bought Skyrim on PC to, yeah. to mod it. I already had it on PS3. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I just think that modders um, have already put in the money and and it, it should be a very small, like you you were saying, I think 60-40 or 70-30. I'm talking more like 90-10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At, maybe. Maybe. Because because it, the, the mod many times will be outside textures. It yeah. might be like it's stuff that it doesn't even have a, a connection to them. That's just my own personal belief. Yeah. I just think modders who have the passion for that and do amazing stuff don't need to be needle or, or, or whittled away when it comes to their profits from something. What do you think, Dover? Do you think that there's any kind of split that would be fair or must most of like the vast majority, if not all of the money go to the creator? Well, I agree. It should be, if there is a split, it should be very, very, like the cre the the creators should get most definitely. Mm. <laughs> like like I don't know. I it's like it should be more something like I don't know eBay for mods. <laughs> like the right. the seller the seller is getting most of it, and the host is just getting a tiny percentage to yeah. help pay for their hosting. You know that's that's how it should be. I think. Well, with eBay, what is it? It's like if you sell something on eBay, 
you as the seller have to pay eBay a certain amount of like 10% or, or something on the sale. Is that it? I, I they don't get, even know. They, well, I haven't been on eBay in years, but last time I was there, they get, um, I can't remember what it was then. I don't know if it's the same now, but it was a very small percentage, like 8% or something of your sale. They just automatically deduct it from your sale. So you don't ever see that percentage well, it's not – from memory, last time I sold something on eBay, and, and this has given me an idea. Again, I'm just throwing around ideas to see if in any possible world this could you know, somehow exist. From memory on eBay, when you sell something, you get all the money, but then every month you need to pay eBay a certain uh, percentage of what you've sold. So it's kind of like a surcharge that the seller is, is, is giving directly to eBay. Could – that work somehow like with modding like if you're a mod author and for example if you just want to sell mods for free that's fine you don't you don't uh have to pay anything but if you do want to actually sell mods to the audience let's say that when someone buys your mod you get a hundred percent but to be able to keep doing that every month you have to give a certain percentage like ten percent to bethesda so in that kind of way it's still splitting but not not really could that work does does, does that work kind of like ebay works Hmm. Um, I don't know, but I, you know, this is just depressing the fuck out of me because <laughs> well, you dude, know, you know, it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. It eventually. is. And what, what pisses me off is like, can't somebody who is grifting us for 60 bucks plus 20 plus 15 for the extra season pass plus another five for a special sword. Can't these guys just finally say, Oh, you know what? No, this will be free. Yeah. Like it's, I'm, I mean, just hearing you talk about it is consistently, I'm just like, <laughs> Oh my God, because <laughs> Because it, it, it's like in Bethesda of all the companies, Bethesda is one of the ones that could do that. You know, you can't sit on a podcast and say that you had the most successful this and successful that, and you're you're judging your prior your current game against one of the most successful games of all time. Okay. Now, obviously, you're swimming in Scrooge McDuck levels of money. Mm. So you know what you should do? You should say, hey, you know what? We're just going to host these fuckers for free because thanks. Like thanks. I mean, mm. there's. I, there, you know what I mean? It just it feels like there is no reach out at all. For, and and if a company did, I have a feel and this is just me guessing. Mm. If a company ever does reach out and really do that, I do feel that a majority of gamers will reward that company. Yeah, I really do feel that people would jump on that. I, I will say, you know, though, like, sorry, Dover, continue, then I'll, I'll make a point. Oh, I just um, I was remembering a conversation I was having with some of my subscribers back when PS4 mods just finally came out yeah. and or well, right before they came out, everyone was really upset that we didn't have mods yet. And um, and how Sony was, you know, anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> the a lot of them are saying, you know, if 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 Bethesda would just like, I don't know, support a certain number of mod authors, you know, the ones that have the really good mods, the really substantial mods. And take a bunch of their mods and put them in a pack, a, like a DLC, and make it an official DLC that's released by Bethesda that then mod authors would get paid for a little bit. Mm. I don't know how much, but and then release that on PS4. Everyone in this chat I was in, they were like, oh, I would so buy that. I would buy that and I would buy this and I would buy that because they just wanted mods. They didn't care where they came from and they thought that they would be worth the money because PS4 players are starved for extra content like that. 
I don't know. I, I thought it was an interesting idea at the time. It, it it is an interesting idea. I'm just wondering. Like in that instance, I have to say though that you can't not have that without Bethesda getting some sort of cut because the level of quality yeah, right. control that yeah. would be required would be insane. Like right. you would have to ensure that first of all. Each mod that you're getting is of a certain <laughs> high level of quality because Bethesda's not releasing some sort of official pack without that yeah. being the case. People can make right. jokes about Bethesda games crashing and their games aren't high quality, but that's the reality. Like Those mods that come together need to be of a certain high quality. Plus, <laughs> you still need to be able to support that pack with updates. So Bethesda, Bethesda has to be able to uh, quality <laughs> check every single update going through by 10 different mod authors for each of these different yeah. mods. Like. That that would be something that Bethesda would have to get some sort of a cut in. I I think we could agree yeah. on that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But the point that I wanted to raise before is that, you know, again, I I'm just floating ideas here. But let's go on the flip side. Even if we 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 were able to to think of some sort of model where everyone was happy with the split that was given to everyone. As Carrick touched on before, and I don't want to use YouTube as an example for this, it might kind of ruin or massively change the modding culture if people are just creating mods to turn a profit because even youtube is an example we see some of right. the youtube videos that we can get like mm-hmm. prank videos <clears throat> that people just make yeah. videos purely for the profit factor and that uh-huh. could be that's a major factor against creating some sort of system like this if we're just seeing mods that are purely there to to raise revenue and not really right. for the passion of it we'd get clickbaity mods Exactly. We'd get <laughs> boo mods every. You know, we still get boo <laughs> mods, but you know, you know what I mean. Like that. That's all that we might see. For example, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, quality. I think at some point quality does. You know, because in YouTube you still have quality content creators, and then you have um, a different quality. I won't say a bad quality, just a different <laughs> quality. Um, so, so I think. I mean. You know, I'm pretty hard in my line against specific things because I, I do feel like consumers r- give a lot to the companies. But on a situation like what, what uh, Dovo was talking about, I firmly believe if you packaged a bunch of mods up and, and then had Bethesda ship it out as an official thing, yeah, you would certainly need to um, you would certainly need to make sure Bethesda got something from that because that would be extra. Yeah. It would be extra, like you guys said, you know, quality control. But I think when it comes down to it, um, we're, you know, we're already seeing it from companies, uh, you know, it, it, the DLC is all weird where we get DLC that we're like, really? 99 cents for, you know, an extra health pack or, I mean, microtransactions, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. I think that whatever, whatever the consumer refuses will then be turned around and repackaged and attempted again. And then if that is refused, it will be turned around and attempted to be repackaged again Mm. until there is some way that these companies can get this. Now, one of the reasons is, and especially when I talk to publishers, and I know you probably know uh, a little bit about this loan, is the fact that the game prices for the basic game have not increased Mm -hmm. and they are costing more to make. And Uh so talking to one developer who worked on one of the biggest games of uh, 2000 seven just finished a game now and he's like dude the the entire budget for the game was less than our budget for sound music and voice in mm-hmm. this game mm-hmm. <laughs> so so there is i do believe that companies should be able to get some money as well i'm not firmly against it um but i but i don't it just seems like there's too much shady business practices like <laughs> like yeah. that's what i don't like we woke up and and they had done paid mods come on guys like yeah. that, 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 come on, that was, that was shady as fuck. Like that's, that's insane. So 
we need less shady. And like I said, more reach out where a company just turns around and says, you know what, we're, we're going to try this. For example, I'm very happy with some of what Sony's done with PSN uh, with giving away free games each month, even though you're paying for your your monthly yeah. uh, subscription. They're giving away something Microsoft has buy anywhere so you can buy a game on the PS or on the Xbox one and play it on your PC. The companies are doing a little bit, but I think there needs to be a lot more. I think that right now it feels like us versus them all the time, like all the time. This is what it feels like now. And, and I think and that's, that's, a, that's, that's uncomfortable. A, that's a really great closing point in the sense that when, when we first got that paid mod system, exactly how Carrick said, it came out of the blue and people were shocked by it. And it was that shock factor and everyone got ex- uh, got really upset. If they were to try it again in the future, but really draw out the communication, try and get as much yeah. feedback from the community, see what everyone thinks, and then mm-hmm. maybe we can re- reach some sort of scenario where the majority or at least a slight majority of people are happy with it. If it doesn't happen, I'm completely fine with it. If it does happen, it like the the one the only point that that I'm trying to make here is that I think that there should be some way that mod authors should be compensated, and I don't think yep. that they're compensated enough through donations. Like I I know that people are saying, well, th- they should do it for a passion, and donations should be the only way, but. I, I doubt mod authors are getting much with donations and it would be mm-hmm. cool to see them get compensated in, in some way. That's all like, and that's, and to be honest, that's a really consumer friendly perspective there because it's mod authors making the game better for us. And, and I think they should be supported, but in any event, we, we, we can move on from that because I'm sure there's going to be an argument in the comments section. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's move on to something a little bit different. That's not really Bethesda. I wanted to talk about VR. Um, so, Oculus is closing a bunch of its uh, VR pop-up demo uh, stores, and it's about from 500, they're reducing about 200 of them to around 300 now in total. And I wanted to ask both of you, what do you think about VR now in 2017? 2016 was a year you know, of, of excitement. VR was, was really getting into its gear. It was... I think I'm correct in saying it was the, the year that all of them, the major VR headsets were released, I think. I don't think it was yeah. 20, I don't think it was the previous year. But now we're, we're getting into a stage where it seems Oculus is closing down some of its pop-up stores. Apparently, retailers are just getting a handful of VR purchases each week. Do are you still is anyone here still bullish or you know thinks that VR is going to be the next big thing or do you think it's just dying down? We'll start with you Carrick. I'm sure you have some interesting views on on VR. Yeah, I mean, as somebody who reviews those games, uh, I was I was a little bit more you know excited in the past, obviously, but yeah. uh, it is I think we passed the curve of of that success that people were expecting, and it's going to be more of a sort of a slow burn peripheral success. Mm. You you have Capcom saying that they've got about a hundred thousand uh, Resident Evil owners playing the PSVR version, which shows that a giant company using a giant name can do pretty well. Yeah, that is not as good a news as people think. It's good news for Capcom. Mm. And it's good news for people who wanted that game. But when you step away and look, you can see that there's, a, I mean, it's its a wasteland. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but we just, we were covering it a couple of days ago. There, uh, many of the games that were announced for PSVR, those companies are closed. So when they wow. first did their announcement, uh, the rigs, I think the rigs developer even shut down and they were one of the number one games. So, Shit. yeah, so you, you've got a lot of these companies and the people I talked to have all moved off of VR. Um, you know, some of the smaller developers and one of the larger ones are like, no, we're just quietly 
like ejecting from it. And huh. with Capcom's with Capcom's success, a lot of people thought, oh, this means something. But if you look at the average time for a game to be developed, if it was a port, it'd be about 1.5 years. If it was a full fleshed out title, you're talking three. If those companies were doing nothing with VR today and today decided to, you have 1.5 years of not much. Yeah. And that is a, a, a valley that I, that we're looking at now being in the second or third generation of the headsets uh, on the PC, like, you know, version two of the Vive. And and so then you have an issue with like the hardware, what, what you're playing them on won't be as good either. Uh, you have the Scorpio already being released. You know, what's mm. it going to use? Mm. So it's just very sad. I, I'll, I'll just end it with that. It's yeah. it's very sad because I wanted to see it succeed. But plain and simple, way too much money. No one in the world should have had to pay what they paid for those systems. And that is that distinctly hurt them. Carrick, you, you don't want to know how much it would have costed Australians to buy a VR headset, even with one game, it would have been over twelve hundred dollars, and that's and that's on top well, of the PC required, and and that's Australian, mind you, but it's still you know because of foreign exchange, because of shipping, and even just PCs here are much more expensive than they are in the world. You're asking someone to spend that amount of money on something that, to be honest, is hit or miss. We we still don't have a huge catalog of games, and yeah. the, the the success. And and the future, I guess, longevity of VR hasn't been proven. And but that's why I wanted to ask you as well, Dover. You have a PS4. You have a very mm-hmm. somewhat accessible, cheap VR source. Have you ever thought about getting VR? And are you ever going to be getting VR in the future? Um, this is one of my frequently asked questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, <laughs> I. <laughs> I well, for one thing, I'm not Mrs. Moneybags, so I yeah. can't. But even if I had the money, I'm I kind of have sort of a loose policy when it comes to new consoles and stuff. Just I like to wait and see what's going to happen with them. Hmm. And I'm doing that with the PS4 Pro. I'm I'll, maybe I'll get one when my regular PS4 finally bites the dust. I don't know, but I, I'm. I'm not, I've never been one to just go out and get the newest thing. I like to wait and see how it does. And, you know, my thing that I have now is working just fine. Why do I need to change it until it's completely obsolete? That's just, that's my personal um, take on new, new things. But mm. yeah, I, mm. I don't, I'm not planning on getting anything like that anytime soon. Have you at least tried PlayStation VR? No, I haven't had any opportunity to. Because the interesting thing, like people, the thing people that own VR keep saying is that it's one of those things where you need to actually try it to know, you know, whether you would love it. Because VR is one of those things that you can't just look on a screen and say, that looks cool, and look at people using right. VR and say, oh, that looks like a lot of fun. But until, and you know, and I have experienced PlayStation VR, until you're actually in the VR world, you don't know how good it can be. The, I, the one thing that I will say, though, is that when I used PSVR, the first thing that came to my mind was that, oh, the, the resolution's not that great on this thing because I've been so <laughs> used to uh, PC games, high-resolution textures, that when it was chucked up right to my face on a PlayStation 4, it didn't look that good. I, uh, and I'll be completely honest, and, and it kind of took away from the immersive factor of VR for me. Well, yeah, well, there's, there's, oh, go ahead. Oh, well, and it's like you said that there's just not a lot of games out there for mm. VR yet. And I, I don't personally feel like I can justify buying a whole new 
thing just to play one or two games, you know. Yeah. So. What were you going to say, Carrie? Uh, just that uh, the PS4 Pro is pretty much needed for the PSVR anyway. And yeah. so when you see the difference in resolution, it, it's pretty dramatic and, and it's still bad. So and this is somebody who likes <laughs> I, I, I like the PS4 uh, VR. I actually like the PSVR. It's, it's fairly comfortable and stuff. Resolution is what you would expect. But it, yeah. it's not a surprise that Sony released the Pro and the VR uh, at the same time, because I honestly do believe that there was a little bit of a hope there that people would get both. Mm. 800 bucks is a lot of money. And that becomes Vive money right there. That's that's about yeah. eight hundred bucks was what it what it launched at. And at that point, you have room, you know, you have open room kind of tracking, which the PSVR doesn't do, and stuff like that. So I think you have a situation where, um, though, honestly, and I said this the day they released, it certainly does feel like it was released a year early. I would have loved to have seen the PS4 Pro prepared with the patches and the beast mode now or last fall like like it released but the p but the psvr be uh this year and that would have had some developers have some extra time to create games and mm. it would have had some it would have had the ability for some optimization on the ps4 normal version mm. of vr which can look dramatically worse than the ps uh it, it, you can't tell me that any company didn't look at those and go why are we releasing both of these incredibly expensive items at the same time and it's because it really one required the other i mean it, uh, for the best experience one does require the other i mean and, and it, not even PSVR just in terms does of, not look uh, very good not even just terms of uh, resolution but frames apparently yeah. the the vr versions or the psvr versions on the original ps4 don't run that good or weren't running that good i don't know if that situation is any different now um i don't know i do know texture resolution can can take a hit though yeah I think it's just interesting, though, in that even the most accessible and and in terms of the major VR headsets, the most cheap form of VR and the PlayStation uh, 4 VR, you've just said that some of these businesses that came out at launch with VR games on the PS4 have closed down. That's that's scary. And, and, and I've seen yeah. articles about this where VR developers are just saying that there's not... Unless you're getting subsidized from someone like Sony or Valve or, you know, Facebook, you, it, you're just not making any money on, on VR. It's th It's the reality. And plus... It's new technology, so it costs even more to develop a game for that. Yeah. So I mean, there's not, there's, it's sad. Like, it's just sad. Do you think that there's any chance, like, I'm talking three or four years down the track, that VR could be successful and could be, you know, uh, I guess equivalent to a, a console nowadays? Yeah, price-wise. Uh, price is what matters. I mean, everybody I know that every subscriber I have, that's all they ever mention is price on mm -hmm. anything. Games, right. controllers, joysticks. It doesn't matter what the fuck I'm talking about. They're ta <laughs> they're always talking about humble bundle. We need a humble bundle for that. Everything's <laughs> got to be humble bundle, right? So uh, everybody's worried about cash. Uh, the, the world itself has issues with that. So plain and simple, they were released at, at, at a far too high, uh, far too much of a premium price. And mm -hmm. if if they were dropped in price that was equal to what you're getting, which is a lower category uh, in library, yeah. uh, then I think more people would jump into it. But I will say this. I agree with you, Lone, in one way, and I don't in the other. You said, mm. you know, you have to experience it, which mm. which I you absolutely do. Presence is something that cannot occur in a normal game. Yeah, uh, you can mm -hmm. say the word, but it's not the same thing as putting PSVR on and having 
because one is looking out your window at a rainstorm and the other is being in the rainstorm. Yeah. That is the easiest way I describe it yeah. to people. There's a huge mm. difference. So it's massive. It's, it's amazing. Like, I love that. Um, at the same time though, the people that I show it to, or the people that I have talked to who have seen it, I always see these internet things where it's like, you would buy one if you checked it out. I don't know who these people are talking to, but I've had multiple people who check it out or like, oh yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. You're like there's, there's this over under, you can't just be normal. You have to be like, it's the best thing or it's the worst thing. And uh, I think it's a mediocre thing at, at a high interesting, price. Interesting. Well, what, what do you think, uh, Dover? Well, I'm pretty sure that even if I tried it out and thought it was awesome, I still wouldn't be able to afford it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, so it seems like the, to be the main issue is price. I, I will say, though, at least with regards to the HTC Vive and the Oculus, another issue seems to be, I, I, I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Oculus seems to be a very closed platform in terms of you can't play Oculus games unless you're using an Oculus. And I think that's another important thing. If, if VR really wants to succeed, it needs to be as open, the platform needs to be as open as possible. So someone that owns a HTC Vive can play Oculus games and someone that owns an Oculus can play HTC Vive games because all that does is just reduce the number of games that you have depending on which VR headset you get. And and, and that's another massive thing in terms of software support. No one's going to buy a headset and no one's going to buy this platform if there's just not enough games. Like, we've seen you know, how good, for example, Resident Evil can do and Batman can do, but even Batman... Was like one level, right? And until we start to see our you know AAA games that we're all accustomed with, you know, like a Resident Evil, like a Fallout, and, and like a Mass Effect, things like that. Until we st- see those games in VR, I don't think VR is going to be successful. You know, it, it's it's nice to have the words what tech tech experiences or tech demos on VR, and, and those are the only things that we can get. That's cool, but in terms of the longevity of this headset, I don't or these headsets, I don't think that they can survive without big titles. Right. Well, I think that's why Fallout 4, you know, they had talked about the VR version, which sort of, I, I just haven't heard much about it. Yeah, what since. happened to that? I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know. We talked mm-hmm. about it with, um, I think on the last podcast before we all jumped on, I thought you and I were, were talking about, I could be wrong, but it, yeah. it's been brought up a couple of times. It just sort of was like, hey, we're doing this. And then, and then just sort of died out. And, and I think you do need those bigger titles. I will, I will say there is software, by the way, um, called Revive that allows you to play Oculus titles on the Vive. It unfortunately is made by a modder <laughs> who's probably not <laughs> compensated, um, who uh, it, it's some, it has issues with a couple games. Like yeah. it's, it's obviously it's a mod, but it does allow you for the most part. And that just goes to show you once again, just like you said, somebody basically made a version of bootcamp for their VR. Like they're mm. like, we need a, we need an emulator. Um, so we can play Oculus games uh, on the Vive. It's true. You're you're absolutely right. They we need to have like just one headset, and everybody can make games for it. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, yeah. you know, if the if the market's going to be as fragmented as it is now between three different headsets, I just I don't see VR. Like I see VR having some sort of niche success, but not the widespread success. Like all these analysts talking about hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. I don't, I just don't see that. But in any event, um, one of the last topics that we'll talk about, and it's not necessarily that I want to talk about Death Stranding. It's more that I want to talk about the kind of marketing, that kind of hype game marketing that we've seen with games in the past. Like, uh, what's his name? Mighty, Mighty Number no. 9, was it? And also as well, uh, no Man's Sky. So, I, 
every day, every day, I see a new article with Hideo Kojima talking about this game. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's great. Everyone loves Hideo. He seems like an awesome guy. But we haven't seen... I, and, and I'm not saying that we need to see gameplay for this game because it's so early in development that would be completely un, uh, unreasonable. But I, I wanted to get both of your thoughts on just this kind of marketing where people are being hyped up for a certain thing and end up being disappointed. We, again, we saw that with No Man's Sky. People were severely disappointed with a game that if it was marketed differently, it probably would have been a really enjoyed game. You know, it, mm. it wasn't necessarily that it was a bad game. It was just not what everyone expected. So I guess I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, how Hideo is, is treating Death Stranding. As good as a developer as Hideo is, there's all these promises and all these things being said about the game that's going to be releasing seemingly in two or three years, and things will just change. Like, I, I have no doubt that he's been completely honest and truthful with what he's saying now, but that's how development works. Things just change. You try something, it might not work, but you've already said that in the public, and maybe that's... That's what some people expect. And again, that's probably what ha- what happened with No Man's Sky, in addition to being rushed out, it seems. So w- what do you got both think about this kind of marketing that Hideo's I- implemented with Death Stranding? I'll ask you first over. Well, that's the thing I wasn't like quite caught up on that game. <laughs> I yeah, don't really fine. follow it. But, um, but <clears throat> if I'm understanding he is really just making a lot of hype. Hmm. For a game that's not going to come out for what years from now? Yeah, two or three years, I think. Well, yeah, it feel I don't know personally. It feels uh, premature to me, just because, like you said, things are going to change. But people will remember them. People will remember what they said, mm. and they'll take it as gospel, <laughs> right? And then, and then when when it comes out and they've changed it, they'll be like, "Wait a minute, you promised this." Yeah. And that word and, will come out. You promised us this. You said uh-huh, that this would yeah. be in it, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, I don't know. Even I personally don't like lots of hype anyway, even for a game that's coming out soon. Hmm. Like, for instance, um, Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah. There the hype around that game, I mean, the, Bioware is putting out so much every single day on Twitter yeah. for like, here, look at this, this new thing, this new thing, this new thing. It's like, wait, I want to, I want to see some of this stuff on my own for the first time when I look, when I start up the game by myself yeah. and be like, whoa, you know, and be wowed by the game, not by the hype. I don't like being wowed by hype. I like being wowed by the product that I mm. paid money for. Mm. And, and and I think you, you're kind of right in the sense that when we play games nowadays, like for ex- the, the example that I bring up is, is Fallout 4. This is a Bethesda podcast somewhat. But when that, that first moment in Fallout 3 when you escape Vault 101 and you look at the, the <laughs> scenic overlook, you're like, this is an awesome moment. And with Fallout 4, they showed it in the trailer. And I'm thinking, yeah. oh, no. Oh. And they showed the ending in the trailer, too. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't know that's what it is when you watch the trailer. But then when you get to the end of the game, you're like, wait a minute. I've, I've seen, seen this, this <laughs> right? <laughs> and, that's a, and I think that's a little bit of a problem. I'm all for having really cool trailers with an awesome soundtrack to show off the game. But when you show key scenes, when you don't know their key scenes, and then you you get to that point in the game, which they're meant to be important, crucial points in the game, like when you exit the, the vault, like when you 
uh, I won't spoil it, but that certain ending in Fallout 4, right? They're meant to be <laughs> impactful, and I think they're not as impactful if you've already seen it in a different context. What, what do you reckon right. about all this, Carrick? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's... Yeah, I don't want to be too negative. I Yeah, I just hate it. I hate everything about it. <laughs> I don't... I don't I, I, Dennis Dyack, who uh, people hate, but he had created Two Human for the Xbox, uh, what was that, 360, I think, or the original. One of the things he said uh, before he disappeared pretty much from the industry is he had wished that games didn't have a press release cycle, but were pretty much done or close to being done and then started getting their PR. So I agree with him and I agree with the idea of like, I don't want to hear about it until there's something that's more than the fanciful, you know, wet dreams of a video game developer, because Mm. that's what they are. Mm. And I think that if you respect the fans, you actually control yourself. And we've seen multiple instances, Peter Molyneux, who, who has not done so. And, um, and, and no man's sky where you, you've got these titles and these particular people who are then hated. And that's also not fun. Like there's mm-hmm. no, you, you don't want that either. You don't want the company or the person hated either. I think you control what you're saying about the game and you should be f- factual. And uh, honestly, it feels the same way as bull shots to me. I mean, you know, you've got Dova who's fixing a game with fucking Photoshop later because the game's <laughs> God rays look so bad. Well, these companies are releasing fake photos all the times. Uh, uh, those kind of things need to go away. Just needs to be, it needs to be more representative of, w- of what's actually occurring. And um, it, it might be a bump, but I do think consumer, I do. I mean, I know consumers would be more, it, it would be, I mean, okay, let's say this. Let's say Hon, Honda came out and said, our brand new car is going to go 1,000 miles an hour. Hmm. <laughs> you, you'd be like, um, what? And then it comes out and it goes 600 miles an hour. You'd be like, well, that's fast, but it's not what you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Video, video games are one of the few uh, that that happens. I mean, it, it's almost like a, a, you know, an author saying my book's going to be 400 pages and he delivers 88 pages and you're yeah. like, what's going on? But in our mm-hmm. industry, for reasons unknown in our industry, this is allowed. Like it, it's very weird. It's very weird that it, it happens as much as it does that the, the complete bullshit lies that go off from publishers who I know some people who work there and the very nice people at different publishers, but, um, it's bullshit. It should never happen. It's, I mean, it's false, mar- it, it is false marketing and it needs, that kind of stuff needs to stop. Now he is not necessarily doing as much that. I think he's just excited and letting it get to him. But I wish he had a handler, you know, somebody who's like, whoa, 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 dude. <laughs> like, like, uh, yeah, you, you know, baby dreams are great, but coup on your own time. Like, let, like, let, I, let's let the game speak for itself. I, I think that's one of the most interesting points because it's something that I just touched on before. I don't think that, you know, at least when it's in a developer or someone that's working at a publisher saying these things, I don't think in the vast majority of time that they're actually lying or they're actively lying. They could be being a bit, you know, over-exaggerative and, and that's fine. But it's because I think if things are said so early in development or even throughout development, things just change. And yeah. it's underst- And again, I'm not saying that, oh, I would never say that a developer lied to us about a certain thing. I, I think that at that time when they were saying that certain thing, that probably was the truth, but it probably just changed. And it's very hard yeah. to convey that to an audience that in one sense, people perceived it as a promise. And it's just, I know it, it should be also, you know, consumers should, I guess, take care of ourselves and it's, you know, but buyer beware, we should not just buy into a lot of this hype and a lot of, a lot of, of what is being said. But sometimes gamers just get really excited over a product. That's just us. But, this is what we do best. 
Yeah, but come on. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this is yeah, it's yeah, because it's weird. Because I mean, if I if I was told that Kanye West was releasing a new CD with sixteen tracks and there was one on it, that I'd be fucking mad. Yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. that. So so shut up is what I say. Mm. Like shut up and and get closer to what you're going to release before you start talking about the goddamn thing mm. because. That's one of the problems. And I understand what they're trying to do is drum up pre-sales. Yeah, you know what you do by drumming up pre-sales? Value. That's that's how you drum up good pre-sales is value. That's how yeah. you drum up passion in a title is value. That's uh, those are that's the way you get people behind your title. Value. You can have all the PR you want, No Man's Sky, and you, when you release it, the only passion you will see is the opposite kind you want. Mm-hmm. And as you said, it's not a terrible game, but it is not at all what we were informed in many ways it was supposed to be. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I just think it's time for a lot of these guys to just be like, okay, let's hold up a little bit and, and be, and it is nice. I will say this hats off to Bethesda, who I think released fallout only six months after six announcing months, it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And Mike, Microsoft has been known around the industry has, as totally changing their tune. So they announced something at E3 and it is almost always but at the latest will be at the end of the next year. So, mm-hmm. and, I, and, and, uh, Microsoft's been, that's one of the things, if, if only one thing that they're, that they're continually, you know, people do seem to notice that they are trying to truncate that a little bit. I like that idea. I like the idea mm-hmm. of being like, we're doing some stuff undercover and then you come out and you're like, surprise. And that's great. Right. right? Yeah, and it's already ready and you don't have the consumer doesn't have to wait for it. And right. I think that actually creates more hype in the people mm-hmm. than waiting years for it with constant updates and news and rumors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to when, when fallout Four trailer came out and it, we saw that it was only six months away. We we're like, what? Yes. No yes. That was you know? so true. <laughs> and, and, and that's a, a really good point because I, it's funny, character. I see in the background that you have a, a poster of Matt Hardy. So you'll understand this. I'm not sure if Dover will, but you know, in a WWE Royal Rumble, when you get a surprise entrant that you had no idea was coming and the pop that <laughs> fucking is received is huge. Yeah, Everyone right. loses their mind and you don't yeah. have that when they announce the entrance beforehand, right? If, right. if you know, for, let's say, for example, and this is really WWE-centric, right? But let's say it was, we didn't know Undertaker was going to, be in the Royal Rumble and he was a surprise entrant, people would have gone insane. And it's the exact same thing about gaming. When Fallout 4's trailer was announced or, or whenever they did the announcement and said, this game is, is releasing in six months, we all lost our fucking mind. And the excitement in the in the Bethesda community at that stage was palpable. Like everyone was just feeling it. I, I, I had not feel, felt that kind of hype in a game for a very, very long time. And I would love yeah. to see that be the case more often nowadays because just like that pop in, in a wrestling match that kind of excitement you know after an e3 presser for example when people cheer and think oh my god we had no idea that this was happening i think that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah me too me too so i, I know Carrick, that you wanted to because we still got a little bit of time i think you wanted to talk about horizon zero dawn is that correct yeah um so they, they released a, a couple videos this morning, Sony did, which sort of covers some of the different creatures that you fight in the game. Mm-hmm. All of them, all of them sort of robot slash uh, transformers slash Dinobot kind of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, and I have to say, like, aside from the previews I've seen, which really haven't wowed me, aside from graphics, obviously, mm-hmm. but, but we're looking at like what's actually going on during these previews and stuff. 
uh, I, I was actually really impressed with the just the overall way in which things are animated in that title. And it's weird because I know Maddie and I have pretty much the same belief or at least the same worry. Guerrilla Games is known for Killzone, which is great graphics, but isn't necessarily the greatest game. What exactly is is making everybody think Horizon Zero Dawn is going to be this amazing playing game hmm. versus how it looks? Um, because they've they've already shown that they have graphical chops. Uh, but I, I but I have to say some of the some of the actual gameplay they showed in in these little bitty trailers actually looked pretty cool as well. And I, it's just the technology, you know. We like we all have PCs here, and it's great to have a PC, right? It, it really is. Like mm -hmm. you you can say I want to spend one thousand dollars and buy a more powerful graphics card, but with a console that's older, like the the PS4 and the PS4 Pro, the the fact that they can display graphics like that, it just fuck it amazes me, man. Yeah. I mean. It's it, it's like and I get that some games aren't necessarily the best um, graphically on the consoles. Yeah. Same thing happens on PC with shitty ports. So you can't pretend they, they don't have their own issues. But yeah, dude, it just looks so cool. And and it, it sort of it sort of excited me a little bit because for a while now, I've been a little bit on the hesitant side for that title, especially because some of the glitches and weird shit I saw in the gameplay. But some of the stuff that they showed and animation, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker mm -hmm. for animation, which mm -hmm. is actually one of the reasons mm -hmm. why I have issues with Bethesda, because their animation ain't the greatest at times. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> their run animation where a guy looks like he's got a poop on deck the entire time. No, like, it's the, fa the facial animation that kills yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. Or, or Mass Effect Andromeda's facial animations, which looks like the world was Botox. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Dover wants to jump but, right in at that. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. No, no, I just, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're crazy, aren't you? Like the first time I saw, I was like, wait, what just happened? It was like, you saw awesome, awesome. It was like a combo breaker. It was like, awesome, awesome, awesome. What the fuck? Awesome, awesome. And you're like, slow that down and let's go back. Uh, let's go back and rewind that, Jim. So yeah, it, it, I, I'm really excited. I mean, it just, you know, it's, it's going to be their big, their big like title yeah. and, um, I, I think everybody, pretty much everybody and their mothers like talking about it at the minimum, if not getting it. Mm. Um, I'm super excited for it. And I just, I, yeah, I just, I saw it and I, I didn't realize you guys hadn't seen any of it, but, um, you know, as a somewhat open world, uh, post, what is it? Futuristic, uh, after an apocalypse type of thing, it yeah. sort of, it did speak to the fallout in me. Now, the, the Fallout lover. I have know. seen a lot of gameplay and footage for it, and it looks like a phenomenal game. Don't get me wrong. And, and I think the main character looks fucking awesome, like her dreads. Graphically. Like, graphically looks sick. One thing that Maddie said, and I want to raise this with you, is that he his bet is that this game won't be good. Do you think that there's... Like, I, I know the game looks good, and we've seen in the past that games that look really good, uh, The Order 1886, might not turn out into be, you know, a really, really good game. Do you think that there's a chance with this, or are they actually taking the right approach? And do you think it's actually going to be a good game? Well, the difference is... Uh, okay, so I don't know if... Because Maddie and I pretty much agree that we both are a little nervous it yeah. won't be... I don't think Maddie's saying it'll be bad, but not good, which is, you know, mediocre maybe, yeah, I yeah, guess, yeah. or average. Yeah. Um, it, it, what I saw originally, I will admit I, some, some people were talking about previews. I don't know if you saw this, but a couple weeks ago, like a bunch of companies, you know, press companies got to go and play it Yeah. and they, they were posting everywhere. Here's our video. Here's our preview video. And when you watched it, if you watched the graphics, everything was fine. But if you looked at what was going on, there was weird shit going on. There was like, <laughs> you know, there was collision detection issues galore. There were yeah. issues with characters falling off of fucking mountainsides. There was like, it, 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 but the people who were covering it never mentioned any of this, which that 
I really, yeah, that chaps my hide because it makes me wonder, like, did they miss it or is something yeah. else going on? So mm-hmm. that was worrisome. However, now upon seeing these videos, a couple things animation wise have definitely been fixed. Um, you know, and that proves, of course, as it, you know, it's a beta technically now as it's being optimized. Uh, I wouldn't say that I have any guarantee it's going to be good or bad. I am far more nervous it will be average, though. Yes. Okay. I mean, I will say that I am very nervous that this is just going to be one of those games that we go after an hour or seven. You're like, have I done this before? Like, mm. it's just sort of repeating itself. Mm. Sorry, that's my dog barking in the background. Sorry that's about that. That's all right. David, <laughs> are you interested in buying this game? You have a PS4. So like, this game just not interested me because I don't have a PS4. But is it something oh. that you're keeping an eye on? I, I did pre-order it because I had the money at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, no, I've, I've wanted to play it. You know, I think I was going to live stream it or something. I don't know. Yeah. Depends what I have time for. But I'm planning on playing it on my channel. Yeah. Um, and I've been keeping up on, mostly keeping up on the new stuff. I, I didn't see the videos that came out today, I guess you said. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know there were some new ones. Um. I'm I'm withholding judgment, I guess. I'm just going to wait and see. I'm not yeah. I'm not hyped about it. I'm I'm excited about the idea of it. Um I like it's it's, it's interesting, excuse me. It's an interesting idea. I like the the story the premise. Not that I really know a lot about the the story, but mm. <clears throat> Um, the gameplay looks interesting. Uh, it's, it's a different, it's a different, well, you know, post-apocalyptic robot dinosaurs. It just sounds fucking awesome, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) It does. So I'm, I'm just going to play it because of that. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not letting myself get hyped about it because Hmm. I don't want to be disappointed, you know? So I'm just going to take it however it comes and, I probably like it. Yeah, I probably won't hate it. Mm. The thing you that know, I wanted I- to mention, though, is that again, as someone that doesn't have a PS4, it seems that the PS4 is getting awesome exclusives every other week, man. Like, yeah. I-, I love what <laughs> Xbox One is doing, like, and Microsoft is doing with the Xbox. I think they've turned it around completely. I think backwards compatibility is awesome. How it works, like a bunch of my old 360 games now work on my Xbox One, which is awesome. But I would like to see more exclusives because every week PS4 players are getting excited about the next big exclusive on PS4. And I'm thinking, ah, I'd love to play Horizon Zero Dawn. I'd love to play God of War, but I can't. (laughs) Get a PS4. (laughs) I know, I know, but I have a PC and I still have too many games to play. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they do. They do have some good exclusives. It's, I think... What'll really be telling is like what we see at E3. Microsoft's known for, you know, holding some yeah. stuff close to their vest. And yeah. so it'll be interesting to see what they announce with with E3. I think that Microsoft has got they've got this is weird. Microsoft has got like return to the customer down pretty well now. It's like, okay, you can buy an Xbox One game and play it on your PC. Boom. That's that's insane. That's awesome. It's that also awesome. it's dude, did you know you can play Gears of War with one copy with two people? Yes, yes. I, that doesn't even seem like it should be legal, let alone something they planned on. And <laughs> like, and it was it was Maddie and somebody else who was flatly wrong. That's impossible. There, there's no way a company would say play the PC version and the Xbox version at the same time, just one copy. I was wrong. Um, so so they're, they're giving that back. Backwards compatibility is insane. In fact, 
in the last couple days, I think I've heard more people that I know who are getting Xbox ones than ever, like as these, as these games continue to come out. So Microsoft has that down, but I do agree that, that they are having issues with like, they're, they're never, and nor should they ever try equal the output of Sony because they're not the same company. No, no. Um, but, but going out and finding companies and, and getting games developed by, by, um, helping them publish it. Like obsidian was going to do tyranny on the Xbox one. It didn't work out. It was a different game at that time. Yeah. And it turned to tyranny on the PC. Um, Microsoft is also uh, pretty, <laughs> Microsoft is pretty heady, man. Like when they canceled Scalebound, I know it pissed a lot of people off. We talked about it. It's like, it, it, a company has to know they're not going to get the return back yeah. to cancel something. Yeah, yeah. You don't go halfway and turn around and go, now nah, the other half is going to be too hard. Like that makes <laughs> no fucking sense. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what they announce because that will show, I think, a lot of gamers like, okay, this is their plan. Is their plan to be just a contender offering third-party versions and some options, right? Yeah. Are they sort of the middle ground cell phone provider? Mm. Or are they a tier above that or a tier below that? And that it's going to be super exciting to see what they say because they have IPs that are actually pretty crazy. Yeah. But we haven't heard much about them. And you've got a game like Crackdown 3, which, you know, the rumor is that now people are playing and are just like, that thing is insane. Yeah. You have Scorpio. Is Microsoft going to go in? Do you guys believe Microsoft would say, we're not going to get any more, you know, first party titles and here's a Scorpio? Why? Why yeah. would you buy the Scorpio if you're going to... Do you see what I'm saying? It, no, it, I, I do. And I wanted to, to touch on that. I, what I don't want is to go into Microsoft uh, E3 press conference and have, however long it is, the majority of it talking about the Scorpio, right? I, I, I loved, absolutely loved what Sony did with their E3 presser last year. They were just like... Trailer, game trailer, game trailer, game trailer, mic drop, boom, they walked out. And I'm thinking, holy fuck, that was awesome. Like, we saw so many cool games. And I understand that, you know, Microsoft's a different company and they had a very nice and flashy E3 presser. And I'm assuming they're going to be doing something very similar this year. Um, But I I know that they have to talk about the Scorpio. Fine, do that maybe towards the end. But I, I think what's important is in the lead up to to the segment of talking about the Scorpio, they need to just show a bunch of awesome games and then say, and here's a new console you can play them on. I think that would be mm. so effective if they were to do that. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I think it would for sure. But I also think that we put a lot more stock in E3 than the world does. Okay. And uh, that is one thing that like, luckily the industry I'm involved in, I do get to talk to people who aren't involved with YouTube because I do something else on the side mm-hmm. and that, but they, but are big gamers. And a lot of them are like, I just saw a commercial. So I bought the game. Yeah, like, they don't enough. have any of this backup, you know, yeah. like you and I do. Yeah. So I agree with you 100%, 100%. Like that's what I want to see. But as if a value is there, whether that be games or price, um, then then people will most likely get it. But you do have to have a driving factor, which I think we all agree on. Microsoft, that should be their presser. It should be. If it's not, it won't mean the end of the world. Yeah. But I'd be pretty surprised if... I would be pretty surprised if we don't see them at least attempt it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, I mean, 
Sony said, you know, Last Guardian on the PS3 days. Holy shit. Like, announce some stuff far, far out and don't worry about it or something. <laughs> I don't know. You're like, we, we've, got, we've got Knights of the Old Republic 77. Bye. You know, and get people excited and then be like, oh, no, we were, you know, we, I guess we can't do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I want to see it. I just don't. I mean, that's a lot of money, man. I, it, it is. You know, the scale bound money that they spent and aren't getting anything back from that. Like, yeah, true. It just worries me that they're, you know, I, I don't know. Like, would I buy a Scorpio if they were like, it's you're going to get the same games, just better? Well, I didn't, you know, I wouldn't have got a PS4 Pro at all if I wasn't reviewing games. But it seems that the I Scorpio never- is not just you're getting games better. You're getting games much, much, much better. It, it seems that, like, the graphical power seems to be so sure. much more of an increase to what the PS4 Pro is. And I'm not just saying that because I own an Xbox One and, and I'm biased or anything. It's, it's obvious. Like, you look at the specs, it's a huge, huge difference. Even to the extent that uh, what's his name, uh, head of head of Microsoft, I, I have a mind blank right now. Phil Spencer. Phil Spencer. He's saying that if you really want to get the benefits of a of a Scorpio, you're gonna need to be able to own a, a 4K TV. And I'm like, all right, cool. If they're gonna be able to run games in native 4K, that's a big difference to what the Xbox One can do now, which is not even hitting yeah. 1080p on most games. And if they do, sometimes it fluctuates between that and, and 900 or, or whatever. So Hey, Neo's 720p on the PS4. So the, the systems aren't necessarily <laughs> super powerful. True, no, yeah, exactly right. Sure. Anyways, we've been here, I think, for an hour and a half. And, and we did have a, a Skype crash in, in the middle of this. So I'm hoping to see if people can, can pick that <laughs> out. But thank you, Karak, so much for, for joining us on this cast. And Absolutely. Dover, thank you so much for being an awesome guest. Oh, I hope you had a good you. time. <laughs> I did. It was fun. No, it's awesome. And I'll remind people again that are still here at this stage, please subscribe to Dover. Her YouTube channel is linked in the description below and her Twitter is on the screen right now. So in any event, thank you so much for watching Ham or listening to Ham Radio Podcast. Hopefully Maddie gets this on iTunes quickly. I know that you have have been having issues with that, but I'll push him on that point. In any event, everyone, thank you so much and we'll see you again another time.